to Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. So glad you're with us wherever you are. Uh, if you're joining us on the airwaves here in Santa Barbara, California area, we welcome you at TVSB. And so many of you are joining us from around the world at goodlifetelevision.org and at the podcast. We we see you. We're so excited. Grateful that you join us. Uh, you can find us, again, goodlifetelevision.org. As the website, Good Life Conversations is what you can search for on all the podcast platforms. And and we're so grateful that many of you are. And then all the normal, um, you know, social media platforms and so forth. And then the YouTube channel has kind of been the the latest thing. We Over the last few months, we've been really consolidating all the interviews and power clips and all kinds of stuff to that YouTube channel. So you can subscribe there. And you that's one of the first places you can see these amazing people that we're bringing to you, these these amazing stories, these amazing journeys. It's uh, it's been such an honor and a privilege to to be in my chair to be able to just meet some incredible people. It's been amazing. So we're grateful. We're talking about the good stuff, and we're we're we get to choose what we dwell on. And so one of the things that we're trying to do here is is really dwell on some incredible things. And and, and th this interview will be no exception. I can promise you that because I've been reading about him all weekend and reading his work. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Johnson is with me. Dr. Johnson, welcome. It's a delight to be with you, Dean. So Dr. Johnson is sitting uh, in my old hometown of Arlington, Texas, right in the middle of the Metroplex, right between... Dallas and Fort Worth. If you if, if you see the the enormous spaceship looking object that you probably can see from outer space, that is Cowboy Stadium, and that <laughs> that's in Arlington, not too far from where Dr. Johnson's sitting. Um, so we're we have that in common, and uh, and and I I want to give a quick introduction. I'm so excited to dive into to really some of your work. Uh, Dr. Johnson is, is a humanitarian author and scholar on the Jewish roots of Christianity, the Middle East, and Bible prophecy. Uh, he's the founder of is Israel Today Ministries, and he's in the in that capacity. They've delivered over over 200, 200 a lot thousand meals and additional resources. Uh, he was a pastor for 17 years, um, received his master's from Moody Bible Institute and his doctorate from Louisiana Baptist. And I could go on, but um, recently, uh, so he's taught a, uh, he's taught at uh, Southwest Baptist Theological Seminary. He's also taught systematic theology at Arlington Baptist University and was a guest lecturer at Harvard and Oxford, among others. You can go, if you want to find uh, some of this work, you can go to Israel Today Ministries, one word, dot org. Um, that, that would be a place to go. Let's start with where you grew up. Tell us about your upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, great question. Um, yeah, I grew up in Ohio. And uh, if you know anything about Ohio, it's uh, the Northeast section, a town called Canton. Yeah. And, yes, sir. I, I grew up there and um, came to know the Lord there when I was 18. Uh, you know, this recent movie that just came out, The Jesus Revolution, Mm -hmm. We were part, I, I was part of that wave of, of experience that Jesus people, they kept on coming at me. They kept on witnessing to me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they, they invited me, uh, Dean, you have to understand the context. They invited me 
to a church, a Baptist church, to hear a Jewish guy from Russia speak. And just for the sheer entertainment, I, <laughs> you know, I said, Man, okay, because I grew up, you know, in, in a Lutheran context, and I'll tell you a little bit about my my family background uh, to explain that. But And it was none other than Hyman Appleman. You know, he's no longer with us, but I came to know the Lord under his ministry. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it's uh, just an amazing man of God. He's one of the first uh, messianic believers, if you will, in the 20th century. He was a lawyer from Chicago, ended up on what they would call the Sawdust Trail as an evangelist, where thousands will come out and hear this guy. But anyway, I, I was saved uh, during that era. And wow. yeah, the, the thing that was uh, just amazing, we grew up in a Lutheran context. My mother was Jewish, uh, of Jewish extract. My father was of uh, Swedish uh, extract. So if you want to know what a Jewish Viking looks like, that would be me. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but uh, my mother was not religious, so we grew up Lutheran. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the Lord saw to it that I come full circle, came to faith under the ministry of a Jewish believer. Wow. And, and I know, I know. It's it's amazing, the journey. Did you ever know a Messianic uh, singer named Marty Getz? I know him uh, or know of him. I have not met him. We're not friends. We're, I, have, I, I think I shook his hand once, you know, great singer, uh, just a wonderful, gifted man. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he was from Cleveland. That's why I brought what him. The, okay, well, that would make sense. <laughs> yeah, I think he's from Cleveland, and he, yes. yeah, they, they, he, and we had them on the program a little while back. He actually sang. I'm not going to ask you to sing, Doctor. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, <laughs> it, it turn it off immediately. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so let's let's dive in here. The the book, by the way, uh, my dad stole my copy, so you know, yeah, I can't hold it up, but it'll be on your screen. They're going to put it on your screen. The okay. book is called Hope Rising. I have. Yes, sir. I have my printout of it right here. I don't have the physical copy, but Hope Rising is the book, which we're going to talk uh, 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 quite a bit about. But but before we get into the to to the book, um, talk a little bit about your uh, passion and 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 drive as it relates to to your faith, but also as it relates to Israel specifically. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you for that question. It listen. All that, oh, what we do, Israel Today Ministries, we feed children, uh, we feed Holocaust survivors in Israel. And what might be shocking to your listeners uh, is that, it, and all you have to do is Google this information. Now, Israel's about 9 million people or so. Out of those 9 million people, 1.1 million children in Israel are impoverished. Uh, that's around one in three kids uh, that are, are impoverished. And in terms of the Holocaust survivors, uh, you have about 150, 160,000 uh, still living in Israel. But you will find, and again, you, you can Google this, uh, about 45 to 50,000 are impoverished as well. So what we do, we stand in the gap. Uh, we provide food, uh, and for the children, educational material, which is biblically related. 
um, and uh, well over 200,000 meals so far uh, we have been able to provide. So that is my passion. This is why uh, everywhere I go, everywhere I speak, you know, I speak in churches, colleges, universities. Uh, I've written a couple of books. And, and, and everything I do is to just simply bring an awareness to, hey, we feed kids. We feed the old people in, in Israel. That's my passion. That's what gets me up in the morning, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, that's what God has called us to do. 1.1 million kids are impoverished in Israel. In Israel. And wow. it's, it's it's embarrassing, and we understand that. Um, there, As far as I know, there has only been one statesman, uh, Shimon Peres. He was a prime minister uh, in Israel, and then he became president in other positions in government. And he came out, I believe it was 2015, uh, referencing the poverty regarding the children, he he said, uh, quote, it's a serious indictment against ourselves. He was the, like I said, he was the only statesman that came forward and said, folks, we have a problem. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's no middle class in Israel. You either have or have not. Uh, and the irony is, you know, Israel produces a great amount of food they export the food you know i mean technology medicine science you know research all of that uh but the majority of the country uh struggles um for a quick example i always share this uh it, you know a family-sized box of cheerios here in the united states it may cost four dollars maybe five uh, depending on the location, but in Israel, it can be anywhere from 12 to $15. A gallon of milk, same thing, you know, stuff like that. A can of tuna, can of tuna, uh, five, six, seven, eight dollars, but you know, that. And so it's, it's a struggle and um, the stats are there. So this is what we do. And wow. That's the doors. Yeah, no, that's, if people want to help go to Israel today, ministries.org and you can read about that work i'm sure there are people that that do want to help that that's a um that's uh sobering information that's that's amazing so i want to talk about the just to start you say you don't which i i liked this a lot when you're talking about you know you don't really prefer the terms old and new testament as much as you do the first and second covenant is that did I get that right? Absolutely right. You read my book. <laughs> yeah. No. So talk about that for a second. Just just that little detail. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, another great question. Um, all right. You have to go back to the second century. Uh, there was a guy, uh, a Turkish uh, shipbuilder, by the name of Marcion. Uh, Marcion had a lot of money, a lot of influence. Uh, somehow he became a bishop you know, back then. And he did not like the idea of the Jewish connection to this new faith. And the irony is, uh, well, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, uh, and he would promote this. He would deprecate the significance of Israel, the significance of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, or the First Covenant. And so he tried to do away with that. Uh, fortunately, the church 
just a little bit of church history. Unfortunately, the church at that time deemed him a heretic. Unfortunately, that thought has prevailed all the way down through the 21st century. Uh, today, uh, it would be manifested in something like this, what is called replacement theology, uh, where Israel is not important. The blessings of that you find regarding Abraham in the first covenant, the Tanakh, uh, all the blessings promised to Israel now go to the church or apply to the church. That's heresy. But it is prevalent today in, in a lot of churches. And uh, But the reason for the first covenant, um, first of all, if it wasn't for the first covenant, <laughs> the second covenant, the Brit Atasha in Hebrew, the New Testament, the new co covenant, would not make any sense. And so it uh, we have a Jewish faith, uh, a Jewish Messiah, a Jewish kingdom, you know, we're praying for. Uh, and uh, so it's very important to understand that the first covenant is not old, which implies it's not relevant. Right. It's very relevant. It's it's the foundation upon with, uh, with which the, 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 the church was birthed. And in fact, the church was birthed on the same holiday that Moses received the law from Mount Sinai, it's called Shavuot. Uh, we call it in Greek, the church calls it in Greek, Pentecost. So it, it, it's a beautiful connection. So the, the, the biblical Judaism was birthed on Shavuot, on Sinai, and the church was also birthed on Shavuot, on Mount Zion, you know. And so you have these incredible connects and parallels. So there is absolutely nothing old uh, about the first covenant. And, and it discourages the believer to read, you know, just that mindset. I, I'm not going to read what's old, you know. Right. And uh, the God of wrath versus the God of love, which is nonsense. Because God's mercy is replete throughout uh, the first covenant. Absolutely. Great question. That's a that's a powerful point. I have to confess, I've had moments where, you know, <laughs> if I'm feeling shaky, I don't necessarily want to open up to, to to. Sometimes I'll think, well, gosh, I'm just going to get hit over the head if I, you know, dive into somewhere in the. But 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 you're right. The the richness of the uh, and and the love, the proverbs. You know, there's so much there. I mean, you could really camp out it's so many of these areas of the of the first covenant we'll say and and uh it's amazing oh well for example if i'm if i may do you yeah. in this story remember moses asked the lord uh, show me your glory you, me you remember that uh -huh. and the lord put him up in the cleft of the rock and he saw his backside and and uh, so he's asking the lord to reveal himself and he says, well, you can't see me, and it, it's very mysterious. Uh, if you look upon him in all of his glory, you won't live in all of this. But it's described, uh, the verses that follow that, where the Lord says, you know, Moses, I am uh, I'm kind, I'm long-suffering, you know, and all of this. The word that is translated in English uh, long-suffering, in, in the Hebrew, is, is fascinating. It, it means 
uh, a long nose. God told Moses, I have a long nose. What was he talking about? He says, uh, he says, basically, I am slow to anger. I'm long suffering. I'm slow to anger. And the imagery is this. When someone is mad, angry, you know, uh, and their nose flares, you know, uh, I'm angry. God says, I don't do that. I'm very slow to be angry. That is one of the best uh, descriptions of his love, his kindness, his mercy, and it's found within the first covenant, right, right out of the box, right in this, the, the first five books of the Bible. I mean, the Lord is wow. saying, I have a long nose. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get angry. Now, there's an image for you. you know? There is an image. Wow. But uh, he's slow to anger or long suffering. Yeah. I went, you know, we went to family camp last summer and the, the speaker let us know the first night that he was going to be preaching on Ruth, which uh, I had never, I got to confess, I've never really read i didn't even know much about the book of ruth but oh my goodness oh that is magnificent well okay she was from moab yeah and the israelis did not like the moabites and the moabites did not like the israelis you know and that was during the time of judges as you know and um and it was just calamity after calamity for naomi ruth's mother-in-laws i mean she lost her husband she lost her two sons she had two daughter-in-laws and she encouraged them to go back home to to moab and ruth stayed with her uh went to bethlehem with naomi but you know the here's another image of god's mercy this moabite woman where you go i will go where you where you uh uh, die, I will die. Your God will be my God. And and the Israelis, when Naomi came to Bethlehem and 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 then introduced Ruth to them, they were astounded. A Moabite woman? Oh my! Welcome, <laughs> welcome. And this Moabite woman who. Her, her tribe was an enemy of Israel, became a very integral part of the genealogy mm. oh, of, of the Mashiach. You know, you talk about God's mercy, man. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, the enemy became yeah. a friend of God and in the genealogy. I right. mean, wow. Amazing. It's yeah. So amazing. Yeah. I love that. I uh, once again, I'm with Dr. Jeffrey Johnson, and and, uh, and, and Dr. Johnson has written a book that will, that will be on your screen called Hope Rising. In regards to, the, to, to Hope Rising, in regards to the book, let's start with this, because I think this is so important. I mean, it's of course it's important. God created us. God created man and woman. God created us. So there is a great significance for the human being there there's a great significance you write in here that you know this is not an accident god doesn't make mistakes there's so many people i think somebody might be watching right now who is who is feeling insignificant not important what do i matter 
Why am I here? Nobody cares. Let, let's talk to that person for a minute, Dr. Johnson. Oh, speak, speak to them about this. Yes, sir. Listen, when you look at the creation story, you have this, he spoke everything into existence. And, and, and what Dean is referring to is the chapter entitled The Fingerprint of God. You and I are his fingerprint. And why do I say that? God spoke everything into existence, uh, the book of Genesis says. And, and we believe that. And yet, now we put anthropomorphic uh, images uh, applied to God, like hands, feet, face. Uh, God is a spirit, and we all know that. And But with that imagery, you have written, and, and the uh, uh, addressing the fingerprint of God, why did Moses write and choose these particular words? And when it came time to the creation of man, it was, as it were, with his own hands, God took the dust, took the dirt, and he molded, he shaped, and created this, this, this person. And then you read that he blew into the nostrils uh, the breath of life. Imagine this. There, there's Adam, dormant body. God breathes into him, and it's like, <gasps> and Adam breathes in. <gasps> and he becomes a living soul. The very essence from God, the life-giving essence, he blew into the nostrils of God. And there's a caveat to this. It's translated, he blew into the nostrils. The, the rabbis will tell you, uh, and they will refer to the Song of Songs, where let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. And there's a lot of uh, wonderful uh, teaching in the, in the book of Song of Songs. And, uh, but what it was, God kissed, if you will, Adam. And he became a living soul. And then he took the complete sight, not just a rib, that's an unfortunate translation. It was literally the complete side, uh, which I don't understand. Most scholars don't understand it. This It's okay to have mysteries. It's bigger than us. But he took from, from the side of Adam, his side, uh, this flesh and, and bone and tendon, any created woman. And the first words that came out of uh, Adam's mouth, man's mouth, the first words that were recorded is that she is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And I always tell people in Hebrew, that means hubba hubba. You know, that was the <laughs> first thing he said. He goes, wow, thank you, Lord, you know. But the, the question was about the significance. The scripture goes on and, and says, as, as you quoted earlier, that God created a male and female. He created them in his image. We have the stamp of royalty on us. Mm -hmm. In our fallen state, we need redemption because of sin, we understand that, thus the cross, and we put our faith and trust in him, we, we know this. But at the end of the day, what does it all mean? It doesn't matter who you are, where you're, what your financial status is, or strata in life, your position in life, whatever it is, you are so significant to God. You are made in his image. You have significance. 
and he has made you exactly the way he wanted you to be, flaws and all, you know. He has a purpose for you. And that is simply a fact. And listen, we one of the beautiful things I always remind believers, you know, there are days we do this better, you know. We there are days we live a better life we we walk the christian walk some days we do it better some days we mess up i don't know about you uh, but yeah. there are days okay the beautiful thing is in lamentations 3 the scripture says that every morning when the sun comes up god's grace and mercies are renewed what does that mean we get to have a do-over yeah Remember that, Fred? Yeah. Growing up, over. <laughs> let's have a do-over. Yeah. yeah, and and ollie, ollie and free and all of that. But every day, maybe today you're not, it's not going so well for you. It's okay. And one final thing, uh, just to bring to our attention, one uh, Isaiah forty-one uh, thirteen. I love this verse. God says, "Listen, I will take you by the right hand." You know, when we're struggling, you know, I will take you by the right hand. And basically, I'll walk with you along the way. He says, do not fear. I will help you. And then my mind immediately goes to Peter. You remember Peter? He got out of the boat. I love Peter. He got out of the boat. <laughs> and he's walking on water, and he gets freaked out over the waves. I would too, first of all. And he sank. And all you've heard the sermons, you know, oh, ye of little faith, you know, <laughs> shame baseness, you know. But no, no, you know, what that was in the Greek, it, it, you know, when you tell your kid, okay, don't don't stick the thing in the socket, you're going to get zapped, you know, and they do it. And you, I told you not to do that. Okay, well, the Lord reached out his hand to Peter, the scripture says, similar to what Isaiah just said. He pulled Peter back up on the water. Now, this is what you often, you, you don't hear this in the sermon, but this is what happened. It's not recorded for us what was said, but the action had to have happened. Jesus reached out his hand, pulled Peter back up, and he and the Lord, Peter and the Lord, walked back on the water to get back into the boat. And you know, and I know, there was a conversation. I don't know what was said. It's not recorded for us. But the beauty of that is it enhances what the first covenant said in Isaiah, that I will take you by the right hand. Do not be afraid. I will help you. That's how significant you are. And one final, final verse uh was the psalm uh for, oh forgive me for not remembering this psalm you're going you'll have to look it up your folks will have to look it up uh where in the psalms it says the lord thinks upon us we are poor and needy and yet the lord thinks upon us mm. if god you know how we have photos in our iphone of all of our kids mm. if god had an iphone your photo would be in there Okay, yeah, I love he that. Thinks upon you. He thinks upon me. That's how important you and I are. Oh, that's so good. And that that kind of I I had written down, you know, David writing in in Psalm eight, 
you know, what is man that you are mindful yes. of him? Yes. You know? Okay. I want to get, because um, I'm going to have to decide which direction I want to go because there's a lot of different things I have written down here. Touch on this real quickly. The word soul comes from the Hebrew root. I think it's nepesh. Uh, nefesh. Nefesh. So why is this significant? It, it refers to, well, it, it, again, it refers to the breath the spirit, uh, the nefesh, the soul. Uh, it speaks to our intellect, our personality, uh, who we are, you know, what, what causes us to feel or yearn after something or someone. And the idea is because we have become a living soul from the story of Adam, uh, we have the capacity uh, to make, uh, well, we have a moral capacity. Let's put it this way. We, we can make good decisions. You know, we, we tell our grandkids, we're going to make good decision today, you know, yeah. uh, make good decisions. And, but we have that ability because we have this soul, our intellect, our personality, it makes up who we are. It, there's, there are many components to the word soul and and it basically again uh, to go back what was said moments ago it simply references the 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 uniqueness of you and i as as a human being and uh there is one reference that implies that maybe animals have a soul too, and people argue that, and that's not my point here. If you watch the movie, doggies go to heaven, you know, okay, you know, <laughs> all of that. But the emphasis in the scripture is that God has given man and woman a soul. And again, we being created in his image, we can be a reflection of who he is. And again, it goes back to there are days we do it better. But the, it, all of this is tied in together. Thus, the hope rising. Yes. And and this was, I mean, in fact, this is why I wrote this, because in this world, Dean, and you know and I know, it, this world is so upside down. There's political upheaval. Yeah. There are wars on the horizon. Uh, yeah. Everything's upside down. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 yeah. Oh, and, and yeah. people are still so frightened. And there's yeah. a lot of despair. And they're losing hope. Yeah. And, so, so let, let me take yes. this transition because you just hope is rising with this next point because Earth is exhausting, kind of these days. Yes. That's how I feel. I think so many people are just exhausted by the yes the confluence of events. But I, I, I was fascinated by page thirty five of the book, angels. I think angels are something that very few people think about. Yeah. But you've written here. I mean, I, I, I was, I was captivated by this uh, just an hour before we came on about the, just the, 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 the scripture, obviously he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. I got to tell you, and then you you go on and on. I mean, it's this is a powerful thing. The book is Hope Rising. This is page thirty five. I would encourage you to get it. But 
But just touch on this, Dr. Johnson, because I think, again, I don't think people think about angels really at all. But what an amazing point you make in this book about angels. Well, well, thank you. Yeah, it it's, again, this mysterious truth that God has appointed uh guardians, if you will, bodyguards, you know, uh, divine bodyguards, I, I, I call it, uh, they, uh, they fight for us. Uh, and they, uh, they have, the thing that fascinated me in, in the study, because we feed kids and, and all, you know, um, let me say it this way, you know, the children, especially the children, um, the Lord for example, gives a warning to those that would harm a child. Uh, he says, man, uh, it'd be better for them to have a millstone around the head cast into the depths of the sea. And uh, the idea is, is that the our angels are face-to-face -face with God. They're communicating with God. They are messengers from God to us. We don't see them. Sometimes people... Uh, they have testimonies. They saw an angel, an angel unaware. Uh, that has happened to me at least one time. Uh, there, it, it's bigger than us. There's something out there. But basically, angels protect us. They watch over us. They keep. They report back to God on our behalf, as it were. It, it's that sort of thing. And we are, each one of us are assigned uh, at least one angels, and we facetiously say it depends on what you do in life. You know, maybe they're, I think I have in the Middle East with all the experiences we've had, I, I think I got, I have at least two that are exhausted trying to keep me <laughs> from harm. But, you know, but the beautiful thing is, is that each one of us, you know, again, it ties in, it, it gives voice to your, your comment about uh, the significance, you know, the speaking to the significance of people. Again, it, it mirrors that, that you are so important to God that he has assigned you at least one angel, maybe more. And they're watching over you. Now, now we don't pray to the angels and, and we don't do, you know, new age, mystical, magical things, you know, regarding the angels. We're just simply comforted. I am comforted by the fact that maybe there were some events or bad things that could have happened to me right. and did not happen to me. Right. And we will not know that until we are in heaven and we will meet our angels that watched over us. And I have a feeling they're going to tell us a bunch of stories that are just <laughs> our mind. No kidding. You kept me from, you right. know, you know, and thank you, you know, and uh, they're having coffee now and they're kicking back. They're they're I'm on, they're on vacation now because right? when we're there. Right. But uh, because yeah, I, I certainly kept my detail busy for a period of time. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah, that, that's the beautiful thing about angels. And again, it enhances the reality of your significance. And for those listening, you know, again, and and this is not to be redundant, simply to be redundant, but because it's so significant and important nowadays, listen, in this upside down, crazy, messed up world, with all the anxiety, uh, 
you have angels watching over you. There's there's even an old song, I think Amy Grant, Angels Watching Over Me. Um, angels are watching over you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's stunning to me to really grasp the the reality of what's going on like i you know i, I always reference that, that quote that you know we're not human beings having a spiritual experience which is what i think a lot of people grow up with they, they, they're, they're human beings and then they go and have a spiritual experience and then they leave and they're back to human beings again like but we're but rather we're spiritual beings we're spirits that yes. are having a human experience yeah and the re and so when you're talking about the reality of God, the reality of you're made on purpose for a purpose. This moment, if you're alive, you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs. Then there is a purpose and a hope. And then you add to it that God has put angel angels with you because He loves and cares about you that much. That's this is the reality of what's going on. I think we get so lost in the trees. Of this human exhausting thing called planet Earth with the fighting and the but the but the you know and the money and inflation and you know and we we we're running around all day that we're just that we miss the forest, you know. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Well, all of your questions are tying in this thread from from you know the, the beginning of, of God breathing into the nostrils of Adam, became a living soul. Uh the word soul itself uh connotates basically who we are our personalities uh, our our desires our you know wh why we are the way we are and and now we're talking about angels and then your comment and and point that is absolutely true that we are spiritual beings and our body is 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 important i mean my goodness in jewish culture the body is very important and they cherish the body in terms of respecting the body um uh and we we could talk about the uh, the cross and how uh the disciples buried the lord and all what that was about but there's great respect but but this is a shell yeah and, and one day we'll get a better shell a glorified body you know a better body uh but you're absolutely right we are a spiritual person and god has enabled us to have a direct connection with him uh in in the book there there's a section uh entitled behold is yeshua uh behold is jesus behold his salvation based on psalm 91 which is uh, those that receive my correspondence always sign uh shalom and blessings uh we are together under his wings then i'll sign it psalm 91 and psalm 91 uh is just uh replete with god's protection and psalm 91 was originally called the song of plagues and the study on psalm 91 that ended up in the book was written during the pandemic when that hit and people said you know people asked me would you write something about psalm 91 and i sent it out to our constituency and and all of that and it tells us in there, and here, here's another connecting. It tells us in there that we don't have to be afraid by the, the, the arrows that fly by night. 
um, and he it wasn't talking about literal arrows like like a, a weapon. Uh, it it's this metaphor for demons, demonic power. Um, Paul would say it this way: Rabbi Paul, Shaul, Rabbi Shaul, Rabbi Paul, the Apostle Paul said it this way: Know that in the last days perilous times will come. You know what that means, perilous times? It means demonically fierce times. Back in Psalm 91, when the enemy came into Jerusalem or the plague hit or the bad thing was happening, people would run to the temple to get behind the temple walls to get as close to the Shekinah glory that hovered over the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies that led Israel by day and night you know, through the wilderness, uh, the glory of God, his presence. And Paul ties in that idea where he says, he says, listen, believer, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, the presence of God. We need no longer run to a physical edifice, you know, like to run behind the walls of the temple for protection, to get as close to this, this Shekinah glory that we're beholding. He says, no, no. He says, listen, your body, believer, is the temple, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and when the bad thing happens, when the plague comes, whatever it is, all we have to, we don't have to run to a place. All we got to do is say, Lord, help. Yeah. And then he reaches down. Again, he reaches down, takes us by the right hand, and walks with us along the way. Yeah. So beautiful. They're so beautiful. I'm way over on time, but I'm just, let me, let me just say, um, Hope Rising is the book, Dr. Jeffrey Johnson. He's in Arlington, Texas. The website is israeltodayministries.org. Uh, I, I, I love this so much. I didn't even get into the, yeah, I could have gotten a lot more. I, I, I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to be digesting this. I needed this. Um, I think a lot of people need to, to read this because it, it's so, yeah, I was going to say hopeful without even referencing the title. It's so hopeful. There's such truth in these times that are, that can feel very perilous. There's a ton of fear. There's a lot of, um, despair. Uh, this is, this book is just a timely word in in this season so i appreciate it thank you dr johnson for writing it and for your life and your work and your ministry and your work with israel everything i love it well thank you dean this has been such a joy being yeah I, I i'd like to actually do this again i i rarely say that but i, I actually i'd like to do this again sometime and, and where we right. can go further because it's yeah. yeah beautiful beautiful work thank you sir Thank you. Shalom and blessings, my friend. Yes, thank you. And we thank you all for watching. Good life. We'll see you next time.